Welcome to Here and Now podcast. I'm Heather. And I'm Sophia. We bring you the stories, the heart, and the humor needed for this journey called life. Join us each week to hear the conversations of a mom, that's me, and a daughter, that's me, and the stories of where others hear God's voice as he brings truth, beauty, and good in their lives right now. This is Here and Now Podcast. We are so thrilled to share about our sponsor for this week's episode, Novena Cards. Novena Cards were developed as a way to let our loved ones know that we have prayed for their intentions and to encourage them with prayers in times of need. Have you ever told someone you wish you could pray for them? Have you ever told someone you would pray for them and wish you had a tangible way to let them know of your prayers? Novena Cards are an answer to prayer and allow you to do just that. The artwork and sentiment of these cards are stunning and thoughtful. They have cards for Divine Mercy Chaplets, same prayers, personalized options for someone special, and cards for Mother's Day. With Mother's Day coming, Novena Cards would provide a unique way to celebrate the special moms in your life. Think of your mothers, grandmothers, sisters, aunts, and special friends, including those spiritual mothers in your life. What a beautiful way to honor these special mothers and ladies with the gift of praying the rosary for their intentions, and then send them a Mother's Day rosary card from Novena Cards to let them know of your prayers. They have so many gift ideas for the special moms and loved ones in your lives who like to pray, so you can go check out the Mother's Day section on their website at NovenaCards.com. You can use code HEREANOW15 for 15% off your order now through Mother's Day. Once again, that's HEREANOW, H-E-A-R, and NOW15 for 15% off your Novena Cards order. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 109 of Here Now Podcast. Um, we are very excited to be welcoming on a guest today, but before we do that, let's just catch up a bit. Hey mom, how are you? Good, Sophia. How are you? It's, you know, been only a couple of days since we've chatted, but this was a episode that I'm very much looking forward to. Jeff Bruno, who is a photographer and creative director, um, and I know he writes beautiful captions with the words that he or with the pictures that he shares. I mean, if you don't know his Instagram handle, you really do need to look at the beauty that he shares. I'm speaking to the listeners here. So we had, a, I think I first met him when he was on Many Hail Marys and he was locally capturing a some sort of retreat at the local retreat house here. And and we we were just connecting behind the scenes and, and a few questions about photography. And then over the last year or two, we've been just chatting here and there about the work that he did, he's doing and just so that's how we got to to the point of wanting to bring him on. He's just a different way of sharing truth, beauty, and good that he has and and how he captures that beauty exists in the church. Yeah. So. I'm so looking forward to the conversation and his images are stunning. Like they're so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear what he has to offer. Yeah. Like you said, truth, beauty, and good just all around. And yeah, without further ado, we'll get into the interview. Yes, I'm excited. Let's here we go. Woo-hoo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Here Now Podcast. We are so excited to be welcoming Jeff Bruno today. He's a photographer, creative director, writer who focuses on things relating to the church. And we are just so excited to have him be here and talking about just all of the things relating to beauty and the work that he does. So welcome to the show, Jeff. We're so happy to have you. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate the the opportunity. Thank you. So one of our goals in the podcast has always been to share stories about truth, beauty, and good. And if anybody looks at the work that 
I have found in um, looking at your Instagram account, there's so much beauty being shared and captured and truth that you can discover in what you're sharing in, in your work. Um, that's why we wanted to chat with you because it just brings a different perspective. And we've talked to people for different reasons. And, and this is just such a different you know, way of sharing the gifts that God has given you to bring him more glory. So tell us what you want people to know about you and your journey to where you are today. And I know that's loaded, but you can say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you can share a little bit about your faith or how you came to be in this, this role where you're asked to, to capture in photography and in words, what you do. Sure. Sure. You know, I'll, 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 I'll just want to add on to one thing you said about the beauty and the truth part. You know, I've been asked that question previously. And the reality is, is that the beauty and the truth are there. They just have to be shown. It's like a person can like, it's not hard to find beauty in the Catholic church. So it's, it's like, so for a person like myself, my vocation is really to try to present just to kind of be there for those moments and those things to take it and to put it out there. And I think that anybody really who's involved in ministry or goes to church or anything has that opportunity, you know, depending because beauty comes in many, 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 many forms. It can be a gesture from somebody helping someone else and can be beautiful stained glass windows, beautiful music. It could be, there's so many different facets to beauty within the Catholic faith. It's so rich and so diverse, like in its, in its expression uh, that it, it's there. So it's, it's, you know, I would like to take credit for taking beautiful pictures, but quite frankly, the beauty's already in front of me. It's not, I just, I just capture the stuff and put it out there so that people can see it. Cause unfortunately I think a lot of people miss you know, these things, you know, these aspects. I had, I had, it was probably about two years ago. One of the things that kind of really pushed me with this was I met a kid, he was about 22 years old, not, he wasn't Catholic. He was kind of marginal Christian. And we were having a conversation, not about anything religious, just a conversation about stuff. And I, I came up with, or we were, the conversation went into the area of charity. Uh, you know, I don't remember exactly what the words were, what the subject was, but, and I had referenced Mother Teresa as an example. I said, you know, like Mother Teresa. And he's like, who? And I'm like, you know, the little nun with the blue and white habit and the cranky. He's like, mm. and I'm like, you don't know who Mother Teresa is? He's like, no. I'm like, and I thought to yeah. myself, if a person doesn't know who Mother Teresa is, how are they going to know, like, what a tabernacle or a ciborium is or anything, you know, it's like, in other words, the level of disconnect between the wider population and the truth and the beauty of the church is vast. It is so extreme, especially now, because now you're like two, three generations, a lot of people, you know, families that have fallen away from the church. So, you know, maybe the great grand, maybe the grandparents or maybe the parents have fallen away. Then the next, the kids never raised in the church, never baptized a lot of them also. And so you have this, we have an opportunity. Okay, so there's a good and a bad to that. You know, the bad is, of course, that it happened. The good is, is that now you have a, you have a generation of young, or just a generation of people, and probably more generations to follow, who have no ref, no reference point to the church. They don't not like the church. They don't know the church. Mm-hmm. So it's not there's not like there's an animosity that they have. It's so the thing is, those are people that there's a great evangelical opportunity. And it's like, and to present the beauty and the, and, and the mission of the church, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, this is it. This is, we're walking, we're entering into that territory. At least I think so. From what I've seen, my, my only opinion, uh, you know, no, I agree. Life. so, you know, so we're coming into that. So it, this becomes more and more important, you know, this, this type of thing to present the beauty, especially through social media, you know, social media is like, uh, yeah, it's such a gift, you know, I mean, it's a curse, but it's a gift, you know, because right. 
you know, the gift of it is, is that it doesn't cost you anything other than you have to create stuff to put out on it and, and then, you know, and then let it do what it does. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. So that was the thing I wanted to say just about beauty and truth and about the opportunity to evangelize, you know, because it's, again, not people that are necessarily opposed to the faith. So you don't have that. I mean, there are plenty of people that are opposed to the faith. Don't get me wrong. But there's a generation coming up that has no, no touch point. They have no touchstone to it. They don't have any point of reference for it. So. So how did you, what, how did you start with the ministry that you're in or the, you know, or the work? Funny story. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a funny story, actually, because that's, just, I, I had been away from, I mean, I was born and raised Catholic, but I had fallen away from the church, you know, in my teens, I guess, or when at some point in time, my faith had departed or, or maybe I did. I don't know. Well, we're just going to say that there was a point where I, I just, I did not, I'm not going to get into all the details because it's kind of a lengthy story. So I'll just give you the cliff note version. Um, I had been in a different industry, uh, in the music industry for most of my life, uh, up until I was probably in my mid to late thirties or so had a very good career. Things were, it was a wonderful opportunity. Anyway, long story. I had come to a point where, you know, one of the most important things to me in life was to have a family and to be a husband. And that was like a really, really important thing. And the two of them did not were incompatible. So I left the business and then figured I was going to start over doing something else. And that led me to like a 10 year search of, of meaninglessness. You know, just, I tried to build, we were building nightclubs, doing all kinds, all kinds of stuff. And just, it just, it was, it was a, a bad period of time, or I should say it was a searching period of time, not a bad period of time, which led me to, again, fast forward through a lot of stuff here, 2004 through a whole, you know, you look back on your life. You know, and if you look at where God, you know, took the, as a shepherd, took the stick and kind of pushed you this way and pushed you that <laughs> way, it is clear as day looking back how things went. At the time, I didn't know that. But we had purchased a house in the town, small town by the Jersey Shore. And I was probably one of the most miserable people you'd ever meet. 10 years of searching, lost my career. Just, I had no idea. And I, I was, I had no meaning. And I didn't know. And, oh, and my wife wanted to send the, our two children at the time to Catholic school, which was 7,000 bucks a piece. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't, there is no God. It's like, you know, what am I going to tell the kids when they come home and they, they start talking about, and if you put me into this like existential weird place and somebody had said to me, you should go to confession and you should go to mass. And I was like, huh, I should go again, just like that, you know, <laughs> and we have, the house is only two blocks from a church. So, you know, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be like, oh, what the heck, you know? So I went, I went to confession that didn't seem to, it didn't have an effect on me emotionally, let's say, you know, at the time, at the time. But I'd go to the church, I'd go to the mass in the morning, I kneeled down, and if, I, I was doing some real studying, you know, or soul searching or whatnot, if you will. And I, I remember from my grammar school days that the first commandment was the most important one, love God. And I'm like, well, I don't even think he exists, let alone love him. So I'm going to hell either way. So what I would do is, and I mean, in all candor, I'd kneel down and I'd say, God, I don't know if you're there or not, but you know, I don't love you. And, you know, if, if, if you're there, it'd be great to know that kind of thing. Cause, and then after doing this for maybe a couple of weeks or so, I don't really remember what the time period was, but I had gone fairly regularly and cause I was searching and I had an encounter. I mean, I received the Blessed Sacrament one day, and I wasn't referring to it as the Blessed Sacrament at the time, but I just was, I received the Eucharist, I knelt down, and then I don't even know, I can't even explain what happened. It's like, I, I, I feel, I could just put it into the words I can say best, is that 
I, I encountered him like in a very tangible, very real. I felt his love. I felt his presence. I felt, and it just, it revel, it changed everything. It was kind of like Paul getting knocked off the horse. Wow. And I, I walked out of the church and I was like, you're real. And then, and I understood these things. Like just, it wasn't like, like understanding scripture or something. It was more like there was just things made sense that didn't make sense previously. So I walked out of there and I'm like, all right, well, if you're, if God, if you're there, it's like, what do you want me to do? You know? And I was like, I had no idea where to start. So the first thing I did is I went online in 2004. I don't know if you know what the internet looked like back then. The Catholic internet was infinitely worse. The Catholic internet was as bad as it was word documents with fonts of times new Roman and 12 different colors. Oh my goodness. And wasn't that dialing up, dialing up. I think I had an Earthlink email. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 I probably was like around that period of time. Yeah. I think it may have been dial up or DSL or whatever. Yeah. But it was definitely bad. Yeah. It was bad. I had come from a, a high level, you know, music industry position and it was, you know, I was used to much higher standards in production and things like that. And I was like, and I had a very, I had a big computer background. That was one of the things that music and computers were the two things I grew up with. So I was like, I've got to fix this. <laughs> so I started coding and building websites, you know, Catholic things. And then the, the next thing I encountered was I couldn't find any pictures. Hmm. So I got a camera and then that's how that started. Hmm. So faith came, faith propelled photography and web development and social media it was always it always was anchored and rooted in faith it's like that was it i had to develop a skill or or acquire a tool that would help me to be able to you know evangelize to witness whatever it might be so that's how it got started roughly you know it's like i mean that's the the broad strokes of it anyway and then you know with within short period of time uh, pictures were something that other people wanted as well websites in the day back then was like it was kind of a one and done you build the site and that's that, you know, social media was kind of didn't really come into its element until 2008, nine, something like that, you know, like as a, as something more, you know, become a larger part of the populace. And then, you know, then with, with, with social media, the thing was, was consumption. It's like, it's, there's such a steady stream of information and everything. This, this, it's, it's an insatiable uh, appetite that, you know, the social media's infrastructure has, it's like, it constantly needs content constantly, constantly. So, you know, constantly with pictures, constantly with articles, constantly. And at one point in time, just going fast forwarding through that, I had gotten a tremendous opportunities to cover Pope Benedict, uh, to cover, you know, it was actually Pope Benedict at the time. I did work in the Vatican and what other, other places. And then I had met a man, I think it was about 2012, and his name was Jesus Kalina. And he was the founder of Zenit, which was an agency or a, a text-based agency that put out kind of like Vatican News. They had been around since the 90s, and they were probably one of the biggest information, uh, Catholic information resources, like the world, global, globally. And he had hired me uh, to come as a photo for uh, a news a website that he had started called Alatea. And I started working as a photo editor there. And then after a couple of years, I worked as a photojournalist for them and as, and as a photo editor. Then I got bumped up to art director. And then I took over the art department for all the language editions. And then that was, you know, that was like kind of like, that helped a lot because I learned, you know, like I learned about, you know, media, about journalism, about social media, how about promotion, about a lot of different things. I learned about Instagram because we had Instagram accounts. And then in 2019, I departed from there. And the hope was <laughs> 2019, just the year before COVID, of course, right. but it was to really focus 100% or, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, just I want to tell the stories. It's like, you know, it's fine to manage art departments. It's fine to do that. And, that's great, but that's 
people can do that. You know, it's like that's but my real calling was is that I saw so much truth, so much stuff, so many stories. Like even in our local parish, it's like on any given day, there's 50 things that happen there. Like, you know, between the St. Vincent de Paul and between it's just the clothing drives, different things. And this is just one parish out of like 10, 20,000 of them across the country. There's so much happening. And there's so many beautiful things to see. And those stories need to be told because people, the narrative that's in the world today about the Catholic faith, the Catholic church, about the clergy is such a small aspect of it. And it needs, the Catholic church needs to be seen for what she is. It's like, she is the loving presence of Christ on earth and through the people, the body of Christ. And if, if you don't, and it needs to be seen. <laughs> so anyway. so important, right? I mean, yeah. I just, it's, yeah, I, I laugh. First of all, I'm laughing because you're kind of like a blend of Sophia and me, because I'm like the <laughs> photographer, the writer, she writes and she does that, but Sophia's like the web designer. So like, okay. then there's you. So you're like us together in one person. But I was actually just talking to a friend who was in our parish this morning and she, she was at a meeting last night. She just called me to ask me, you know, they're trying to revitalize this, the, the, you know, the, church and try in our particular parish and we have a very vibrant parish I think and she said how do we even start there you know asking me and I laugh <laughs> look I had two ideas already this morning and I said well I'm talking to this you know person today that's going to have all this great um, idea about bringing beauty and all I keep thinking is if people could just see right if they could just see and I don't think I think all that we hear is that they all they hear are all the negatives they don't yep, yep. see the beauty you know, right. I did not grow up Catholic and I became, I was around the Catholic church for most of my life and then really started to form in high school when I was going to a Catholic school, even though I was a public school all my life until these last three years of high school and the beauty that I saw around me, it just, you know, and maybe I was in a place in my own life with family and crazy things that mm -hmm. I needed beauty and that, that consistency. And I mean, this is where my kids are. Church is home to us. Like that is the one consistent family, home. So that is where they've built their traditions. We've done it all around family. That isn't the case for everybody, obviously, because I don't think that people are catechized properly from the beginning. And right. because I went through the RCIA, because I was searching like you did, I always am looking and learning and working towards a, a master's in catechetics, uh, uh, ironically, until wow. my husband, I know, until my <laughs> husband got diagnosed and we had to put that on the back burner for a bit. But I'm still looking into theology so that I understand more because there's just so, so much that we don't even know. And you grew up Catholic and you fell away and that's not a judgment. It's just, I think people just don't have the eyes to see. And I think bringing pictures and words together like you do does have a, a, a way to help people do that. But how do we get that to a broader place for people to see that in all these other parishes? I mean, what would your way of how would you articulate that people could do that more so that people could, I mean, it's, I know that's a big question, right? No, I, I got it. I got a suggestion. So it's something I've been banging a drum for this for a while. I wrote an article in 2019. It was about how every, every parish needs a social media ministry. Mm. But the thing is they need to understand, they need to learn how to use social media. It's like, this is one of social media is not an afterthought anymore. Not now. I mean, 10 years from now, who knows? But right now, it is the one thing you can be assured 90%, 90, yeah, 90% of your parish has is one of these. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, this is the bulletin. It is the announcements. It's you have the opportunity to communicate with people in your geographical region 
is is it again it, it's it's a skill you know there there are things to know and there's a million people out there that have courses out there and whatnot saying you know do it this way this is what you got to do in order to be successful on instagram this is what you need to do in order to be and many there's there's some basic stuff but the, the, the big thing for a parish, for a parish, some of the rules are a little different, I think, you know, when it comes to communicating. I mean, it's not different. It's just that, okay, well, it's a big answer. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to tighten this. I'll try to get just some just a couple of basic suggestions for a parish. The first thing is that you really don't, a parish does not need to buy equipment, I would say. So like right off the bat, when a priest is like, oh, you know, how much is going to cost us? Initially, it really just need a phone. A good phone, Grant. You know, a good phone's better because you got good camera and good video and everything. Um, you know, obviously, you need to have pages. You need to understand hashtags to a certain degree. But okay, the, the core elements. I'm not going to get into all the super details. We could, we could, we could go into. The, I, I actually, I have to write a, a follow up article to the other article because to go into more detail about it. But the big thing is, is that what you want to do is you want to show the life of the church. Sorry. So, what are the life of the church? Sacraments outreach, uh, evangelical programs, the life of the people in the church. It's like, you know, you have a community of faithful people. These people might have jobs. I'll give you an example. And this is something that I, I want, I was hoping our parish and hope we're working on a project for the parish I'm part of to do this as well. So we have a butcher in town. Okay. And he's excellent butcher. I mean, it's very popular with everybody. Everybody loves his butcher shop. It's like the most famous place on the and the guy's really good. You know, he's, he's a younger guy. He's from Staten Island. Does, okay. Now, if I come in as St. Mary's, which is the parish I'm in, as St. Mary's Social Media Ministry, or whatever you want to call it, you know, like some Carlo Acutis ministry, I don't know, whatever. You come in there with your phone, and you say, and this guy's name is Louie. And I say, Louie, can you show me how to pick out a great steak and do a little video kind of thing? Now, all of a sudden, now this guy's got thousands and thousands of followers on Facebook because everybody in the universe loves this guy because he has the best meat in our area. Now, all of a sudden, I post that, cross-tag that to him. You know, he shares it on his thing. And all of a sudden now, people that don't know who are not Catholic, people who are from all over that just love this guy, all of a sudden are experiencing or encountering St. Mary's because right. they're the ones who put up the video. So, in other words, it's kind of like a you become kind of the, like, the, 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 the I think I, there was some other, I forget who put it that way, but you become kind of like the, the local publication of, mm -hmm. of your community. Mm -hmm. Parishes are great because they are geographical regions. You're not, you don't have to worry too much about, you know, the next parish over or the whole state or the whole world. You got to deal with the concerns of the people that are local to you, you know, which is an important thing. So again, it's like, that's one thing, documenting things, creating content like that. Production value doesn't need to be super good. It needs to be authentic. You know, that's, I think the real, not hyper-produced. You don't need to spend $50,000 on a video or anything. You just get a phone. And then, like, for instance, if you had a St. Vincent de Paul, I'm just using this because we have that. That's it's familiar to me. They serve, I don't know how many thousands of people each week. And you go in there, interview one of the people that works there. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's a person with a story that's there. I'm sure there's a person with a story down there. You know, that's the kind of content that is very intimate and unique to the parish. And then, of course, liturgy, sacraments. You know, and if you get a priest, if you can sit down and you can talk a little bit about why Catholic... <laughs> how catholic catholics the, the relationship catholics have with mary for example or mm -hmm. saints you know or some some base the basic things that people don't know about the faith or you know are widely misconstrued 
short two minute videos, use a phone, but just have some good light, you know, like nice window light or whatever. It is very, very doable. Like on a very, and now one thing I will say to pastors, it is important. I, I think that it is so important, especially because most churches are losing, you know, or, you know, are dropping in their numbers. It is something, okay, I'll just say it the way I feel. The lawn is not the lawn, the driveway. These elements or parts of the church are important, but they're not as important mm -hmm. as social media ministry. So the thing is, is that wherever the budgetary concerns are, it is, I think that it would be behoove a parish to hire a person to do that. And if every parish did that, and if there was some kind of structure for formal training for people like this, I think that it would revolutionary the, revolutionize the church in America. It's all, or and beyond, theoretically, or mm -hmm. potentially. But the thing is, is that you got to go, I mean, I, my, 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 my thesis is, is that people, regardless, you know, everybody universally in America, I'll just say that, all live on their phones. Yep. And the thing is, that is the opportunity. It's like, that's the inflection point. It's like, they're here, so you have to be here too, and you can talk to them. And if you get their attention, and if they like what you're saying, or if they're curious, or if they're in a place in their life where they're searching, the fact that you were out there and did the one thing, you never know the one video that's going to hit, the one thing that's going to make a difference. Um, that, that's one of probably the most rewarding things that happens in my life is when somebody will contact me and say, hey, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know this. And now I do know this or, you, hey, you know, something you said really moved me. And now I'm going to do this, you know, about my life or whatever. And so you just don't know. You just have to keep on putting it out and then you pray for the best. And again, that's where being rooted Okay, so I just want to say one other thing about social media ministry. And this is going to get me in trouble, but it's okay. <laughs> I don't care. The thing is, is that I do believe very, very firmly, again, especially from where I come from in, you know, when I came into the faith, daily communicant, you know, rosary, whatever, the, you have the person in that ministry has to be so deeply rooted in the sacraments themselves. They have to have a very strong prayer life. Uh, you know, they have you to mean that the, the social media manager has yes, to be I yes, agree. the social media. Yes, because, because, because you is, could get lost in, in some of it. You can get lost and then you get absorbed mm -hmm. into the, 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 the hype and everything of it. But then the other thing is, and this is this is the crazy thing. When I sit down to write, OK, I'm not a writer per se. OK, and I mean, you know, people like, oh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Well, hear me out. So in 2016, I was in Poland covering the World Youth Day over there and just taking pictures, never really written anything before, maybe a couple of little things here and there that were garbage, quite frankly. And the editor I was working for contacted me and said, hey, Jeff, I need you to write a little piece about the thing you just covered. And I'm like, I don't write. She's like, just tell a story and put it down on paper, will you? It's like, and I'll fix it. And I'm like, OK, OK, you know, <laughs> am I getting extra money for it? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I didn't get extra. Anyway, I sent it in. And from that point on, once I did that, the, the, the editor was like, okay, well, you know, we're going to need you to do that again. And we're going to need you to do, do that again. And I was bad. I mean, I was really terrible. You know, I mean, it, I've read some of this stuff. I, wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and, I think you know, all writers start out not very good, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but here's the thing. It was like, you know, it came down to, you know, and what she had said, Elizabeth Scalia, I don't know if you ever heard her. She's a brilliant, she's one of the editors at Word on Fire now. And okay. a brilliant writer, you know, excellent, you know, speaker and everything. She's really one of like the icons in the Catholic world. She'd be really good to interview. Just there we that. go. Well, that, we'll talk so, to her. That's how our Jeff sent us. <laughs> I, yes, you, you absolutely. Yeah, you definitely do that. I could think she introduces. But the thing about Elizabeth was, is that she put, applied a lot of pressure to me to do that. 
And then at a certain point, especially around 2019, when I left Alate and started going on the thing, two things. She was right. Most people can write. You just have to tell a story. I mean, that's, yeah, yes, there's structure and there's school, you know, it's lots of things. I mean, listen, my last English class was in like eighth grade or ninth, or like in high school. Okay. I never went to college for it. Nothing like that. I'm no scholar and I'm no Shakespeare or anything. But the point is, is that you just got to tell a story, right? It's like just the way, like we're talking right now, just tell a story. So don't say to yourself, you can't write because that's what I would have said. And that's what I did say. But then if you can tell a story, you can write, you just have to put it down on paper and then, you know, over time, you get a little better at it, you know, mm-hmm. fair enough. You know, it's like you need to start to un- and thank God for programs like Grammarly <laughs> that put all the commas in the right place. Or, or passive voice or not passive voice. Oh, I'll tell you what, you got to see my stuff goes in. It's like a 25 when it goes in. <laughs> so, but there's that. But then, OK, so rooted in the, you know, rooted in, in the sacraments again, the majority of the time when I sit down to write anything, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say. It's like, it's not even, and then just something happens. And I really, I just, I have to off, I just have to, it's gotta be the Holy Spirit. It's like, because I, I can't, I can't take the credit. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, he gave me the skills. Yes, he gave me a billionaire. But the thing is, is that he gave everything to us. Anything that we're good at, he gave it to us. Even if it's the work ethic that motivates, motivates us to, to get better. He gave that to us too. He gave it all to us, every single part. So if you give it back to him and then, pray to do his will and then try to go down that path, you know, not try, um, walk that path, you know, and, you know, and then pray for the grace to be able to stay on that path. And, you know, there's plenty of problems along the way. I'm not suggesting that life is easy that way, but you know, that that's where your fulfilled life comes from, you know, and where that's where it ends up. All right. That that's, that's That's fabulous. Very long answer to your question no it's it's great information information. and it really i think it helps a lot of people who probably are wondering how do we rebuild our church i mean how what how do you point them to the beauty and truth and right well that's one place that's one place that's one place yes yeah yeah so you were talking about the sacraments and i know from at least from being in school here we have a lot of student photographers that capture just the beauty of the sacraments especially during our festival praise and everything and they're just gorgeous images but what is one of the events or images that you've captured that have been the most meaningful to you that's a really good question i have no idea (laughs) i'll I'll take a stab at it i'm going to I think there are two pictures. There are three pictures actually that I think were the most significant to me personally, like, you know, like on a, on a spiritual level and each one of them kind of revealed something different to me. One of them was at mother Angelica's funeral mm-hmm. down in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And I took a picture, not for any particular reason, but of the <laughs> monstrance that contained the blessed sacrament. And that picture in particular, for some reason, I, I mean, it's to me, it's just, it, it's like, look, to me, it's like, I just, I'm like, I'm looking at Christ, you know, it's like, it's right. just like, it seems like, you know, and I've taken a million pictures of benedictions and things like that, but I don't know what it is, but it was that picture. Maybe it was that moment. Maybe it was whatever it was. It was another picture that became very popular. Um, I guess like when I first kind of started out with this, well, not, not first started out, but first started with Instagram because Instagram is hilarious. Cause I only started with that around, I think it was around 26. 26, 17, 18, something like that. I was coming back from a press trip from Jordan with a blogger who had like a quarter of a million followers. And she's like, okay, Jeff, so let me get this straight. So you're a photographer and you don't have an Instagram account. And I'm like, 
I guess I should get one, huh? So anyway, she was the one who pushed me into it. But was the point? Yeah. Okay. So there was one picture that I took that it was it was called I titled it A Mother's Strength. And it was a woman receiving the Blessed Sacrament and with her children. And it's it's in a nasty church. Well, it's not a nasty church. It's a it's a lovely church. It's got terrible lighting though. And it's it was it's it's in the South Bronx, you know, it's kind of a rough area. And when I took the picture, I, I didn't even think anything of it. You know, I looked at it and I looked, but then okay, so sometimes and again, this really comes down to, you know, when you're, when it's a vocation, what it revealed to me is that I could do this. And, and I mean, we all have our inadequacies and our in, insecurities, right? Like, you know, about anything we do, is this good enough? Can I do this? Can I cut it? Can I, you know, am I making a difference? I mean, I'm, I have a lot of ton of insecurities, you know, I, you power through them and you pray your way through them, but at the same time, you don't let them stop you. That's mm-hmm. one thing. But at the same time, when that picture was taken, but when I looked at that picture, I thought to myself, it's like, it was, it, it just, I couldn't believe I took it. It's like, I was like, huh, you know, and it, and it, it just, it was like, I can do this. It's like, I, I can't, it's like, I'm not and so it, it, I don't know, it was, it was something, it was, it was an assurance, if you will, you know, it, it changed the way I, I felt about the, I felt a little more confident, not too confident. I'm still nervous as heck going to every single job. And I'm not kidding about that, but I'm still, but at the same time, it gave me the confidence I needed to go the next step. And then one other shot was, it was, it, the, the photograph was of, of, of a woman, of a young woman receiving her, well, she was moving from, from postulant to novice. I forget. It was, a, it was in a cloister, which was one of the things I was in a cloister, which was mind blowingly epic, you know? And, but she, anyway, this one, they were, they were, the, the, it was the Dominican nuns and they were changing the, habit on this one nun and as they were changing it i took a picture and i realized you know the thing that after that picture was taken i looked at it what it showed me it i just felt so humbled and privileged to be there for that moment in her life it's like you know the thing is anybody who discerns religious life you know it's like i mean i my hats off to them and to people that discern married life too don't that's not but the thing is is that cloistered people in particular you know, that, okay, like to somebody like ourselves, perhaps, potentially, you know, like maybe Heather, you're, yourself, you're married, I'm married, you know, we say, well, we probably wouldn't be in the cloister, you know, it's like, maybe that that's not definitely wasn't necessarily one of the options on the table when we think about what we're going to do with our life. Um, but then, but so to people that do discern that and go all the way down that, you know, that are in for 30, 40 years, they're joyful, they're happy, because that's where they're called to be. But for people like myself who are not called to be in that, I call have a different vocation entirely. I'm like, how? Wow! Oh my goodness gracious! How? You know, it's like you know all the, and of course I get it now. It's like that's what they're called to do, and God has given them the grace, you know, to be to to blossom and to grow in that, you know, that beautiful vocation. Anyway, long way of long winded point was is that I just felt it staggered by how privileged I was to be there to take that picture at that moment. So it's not even that's a good picture, not that any of them are good pictures. It's just that each one of those, a message, there was something that changed within me after the picture was taken. And again, what a privilege, you know, it's like, I'm so blessed, you know, to have had that experience. So anyway, that, that's, that's that. Yeah. And I was, I had written a note saying that I feel like what you do, and I think I, I remember reading something or maybe when you were taking a picture of was it Cardinal Dolan? I don't know. Something and you and or a, or a bishop and you remember feeling like the bishop was looking 
at you in that direction. Do you recall this? And he kept looking at you and you thought, oh my gosh, am I interrupting his mass or, (laughs) you know, what is he looking at me? And then at the end, he asked you, did you capture it? You know, and here, and I've been in that position where I have taken photographs and, and similar, not to the degree that you do, but capturing some very intimate moments. I have been asked to help to, to capture moments when families know that somebody may be heading towards hospice or, you know, because I guess, you know, Hey, would you take these for me? Because I would come into that scene and be trusted with a very, it's an intimate time when you know that somebody yeah. potentially in your family is no longer going to be with you. When I've done baptisms for people in the church, similar to you. And I always felt like it's, I never wanted to do weddings ever because I felt like I could never, what if, what if I messed up my camera? But, you know, and I still feel the same about these other moments, but there's something so intimate about that, that you're, you know, and here you see nuns laying prostrate, prostrate, you have, you know, ordinations that you've captured. I mean, what a, what a gift to be invited into those moments that I don't even know how I could get through some of them without feeling so emotional, (laughs) you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. And it's, it's, it it is, it's always, yeah, it's, it's an honor, you know, I mean, and it's all I can really say. I think that there's more, there's plenty of opportunity. I think more people need to do it though. It's like, I think that this is a real, it, you, you can't, okay. So one question that comes up quite frequently that I'd just like to answer because there's, if anybody who's young, who's thinking about career paths and photography and, and, and at the same time, you know, wants to, okay, you can survive doing this. Okay. Like you can pay your bills, you can pay the mortgage, you can do all the things like that. In other words, it can be viable. I'm going to put it like this. And this is something I learned from the, not only from the little sisters of the poor, not only from the Dominican nuns of summit, but from almost every single religious order that I have. And this again, goes back to being grounded in the sacraments. I remember the little sisters of the poor in Queens, New York, that's where their mother house. I was over there writing a story or something. And the mother superior over there, we were walking past. They had just added a new wing to their, to the, to the care facility for seniors. And, they were like, oh, we didn't know we were going to get the money and this and that, the other thing. So the mother superior turns to me and she says, it's like if we we're passing a statue of St. Joseph, like a life-size statue of St. Joseph. She says, anytime we need anything, we write it down on a piece of paper and we just slip it underneath the statue. And then we just leave it up to St. Joseph to get it for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a strategy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so then, but the thing is, this is such a recurring theme. Okay. It's like, this is like, it, it's like, it, it, like, <laughs> Catholic, like if you need to raise money for something, it's like, and if it's God's will that it's done, it's okay. Next thing. So the Dominican nuns of summit, they needed, they, they needed to increase the size of their monastery because they were getting increased vocations and whatnot. And they wanted, it's like 25 million bucks they needed to raise. So the, they go into the financial advisors come in and like, well, how are you going to raise the money? They're like, well, and, and it's, it's funny the way they say it, it's like, well, we'll just leave it in God's hands, you know? And, but the thing is, is that they're serious. They are serious. Dead serious. We know people like that. (laughs) And the thing is, is that really, and truthfully, it's like, when I think I can manage my finances and be okay and everything, I'm screwed. I have to leave it completely to him. And when you go off on a vacation, listen, I'm, you know, it's, it's like, again, probably going to get in trouble with this. There is no practical way to look at this because the thing is, is that you are putting yourself at God's mercy. You're, you're basically a Lord. Let me guide me, steward me. 
help me, give me, grant, you know, what I need in order to do the things. I got to pray a lot. You know, it's like, but the thing is, is that I have never, ever been disappointed. Like, or disappointed is completely the wrong word. Because if you wanted me to be poor, that's fine too. You know, and. But he, but on. Providence, he provides. I mean, that's yes, right. Yeah. He provides. Thank you. Thank you. And, I mean, we're living in that situation somewhat our own because my husband yeah. hasn't worked since 2020 in July when he first was diagnosed with brain cancer. Right. And he's had, you know, benefits from his job and he's still on long-term disability. But every time something new comes up, something new comes up and God takes care of it in just the generosity of others and crazy things like just crazy things where I, you know, we had certain money situations happening and I thought, heck, how are we going to take care of this? And then oddly money shows up in another checking account that I never used, like ever, where'd this money come from? You know, like, so things like that, where it can only be explained by God and prayer. Right. 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 It's trust is what it is. It's, it's like, and I mean, that's, um, yeah, it, you, you said it much more eloquently than I, <laughs> but, but that's what it is. It is. It's all about trust. It's about placing all your trust in God because that's the, because whatever it is, it's like, I mean, that's, that's the key to it. So yes, there are great careers in this, but you got to trust God. So. got to trust God and just keep listening for where he wants you to be. Right. Amen. Yeah. Keep those ears, you know, keep your soul tuned is a better way to right. put it, you know, to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sophia, did you have something else you were? Yeah, um, kind of back on the same note of, you know, capturing these beautiful mm-hmm. moments. What has been one of the greatest gifts that you've seen in capturing this beauty and the truth of the faith? Now, that that's an interesting question. It's a very good question. There's so many moments. Mm-hmm. This is the thing about it. It's like, it's so hard to, it's like, there are ones that are in sacramental, like going back to Steubenville or to, Francis, Francis, I've seen the pictures of, you know, like these epic, you know, like adorations and things like that. It's like, they're iconic at this point. You know, it's like, I mean, there's so many of them. And they, it, are. <laughs> they are iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so much, I think that, I mean, okay. So without all the, there are a lot of small moments, you know, like that are just beautiful and just like, but I would say actually probably one of the most profound was was actually something similar to which was in Krakow, Poland. And it was an adoration at the Turin Arena with Bishop Barron. And it was 35,000 people there, something like that. And it was Matt Barr and Audrey Assad were playing accompanying music. And they brought the Blessed Sacrament through the whole place. And the thing about it was, it's like there was such a spirit of solidarity, like, you know, like everybody's soul and everybody's heart and everybody's eyes were turned to him as he was being, you know, carried through the, it just was such an amazing experience. It's like, you felt this whole, it was breathtaking. I mean, really, that was something else. I mean, that was like, woohoo. So yeah, I, I would it say. It takes very special eyes in photography to really capture that with like, a, you know, the monstrance being raised and seeing the, 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 I don't know. We, we have a Abbey Fest that's similar to that. It's certainly not Krakow, but Matt Marr was here and, you know, he sings the um, song and the Eucharist is brought through. I mean, it is, and it's outside and it's just, you know, we, the first time I experienced that at Abbey Fest, you know, four or five years ago, and, you know, people have their candles lit and it's dark and it's just so like, how can you not want to be here? Right, 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 right. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't in that moment, understanding it, you sure are now, if you, you know, if you're open to it, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's funny because, you know, it's very emotional, obviously, because that's a component to it. And I'll, I'll never forget one thing that happened that day or during that, that particular event, which was startling to me. It was a lot of photographers and video people and stuff like that. And there's one photographer that I'm familiar with who, will, who shall remain nameless for her own sake <laughs> and, uh, or for her protection. And she's uh, a tough cookie. Let's put it that very good photographer, very accomplished, very, very, but she's a very, she's very strong. She's, you know, excellent at everything. As the Blessed Sacrament was coming around, we were in one spot where they were bringing from one altar to the other altar. As it's approaching the second altar with all these people and the music and all this stuff, and I turn next to me and I look at her and she is crying her eyes out. And I was like, I just totally didn't expect that from her. And, but the thing is, it just showed the penetrating power of grace. You know, it's like, it was, it was, maybe that was the moment that actually made that whole thing more significant, or I don't know, again, it's a combination of elements in every one of these things, but that was from, again, from her, I just never would have seen it coming. You know, she's so stony and so (laughs) focused on what she's doing. And I mean, all due respect, I mean, she's a great photographer. It's like, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, if I if I put her name out there, she might. Not. Yeah, don't do that to her. That's <laughs> but that's the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, isn't yes, that the Holy is. Spirit just yes, does yes. penetrate? And and I was we were asked. My husband and I went to Palm Sunday Mass, and he has not been back to church for since September, other than Christmas Eve. And we mm-hmm. went to Holy. We went to Palm Sunday Mass, and we were invited to be apostles for the washing of the feet on Thursday night. Nice. Okay. Um, simply talk about Holy Spirit moment, because it felt to me like this is what my life has been like since he has come out of rehab and I've been helping him wash his feet and, uh, and, and do all the things to get him back to the point of really becoming more independent, which he's, you know, he's really close to that. But I was very touched by the words that you wrote. You tell me you're not a writer. Well, somebody wrote this with your hand. You were just a pen in the hand of God. When you wrote the words, I might get teary eyed when I write it, but we should, let me see where I want to say when the author of life knelt before down before his disciples and humbly washed their feet, he taught us what it is to love and to serve is to love. It is in the simple act of sacrifice that we become like Christ. Everything we've received, we've received from him. Resources, talents, abilities. But those gifts which we tend to grasp at and claim as our own are gifts to be given away. They are for others. So we each can serve in our own unique and beautiful way. It is in using these gifts we've received to raise up the brokenhearted, the impoverished, the rejected, that we become who we were truly created to be. When we become servants to all, we become vessels of Christ's love in the world. And there's more, but holy moly. (laughs) I mean, that is the epitome of what you're doing. You are a vessel and you're giving out your beauty to others the way that you capture it. I know you say that it is not yours, it is God. I mean, I feel the same way. When I write things that I write and I know they're from God because I go to adoration, I pray, I wait. Some days I'm thinking, God, I'm waiting. (laughs) People want me to write. I want to write. People are expecting. And, you know, that's that's the lie, right, that they're expecting. We are waiting for him to to give our timeline. Um, But that is the epitome of what, what it is that you're being asked to do is to be a vessel to serve God with the gifts that we've been given. Right. So thank you for those words. I mean, they're just beautiful. I'm probably going to reference them somewhere along the way again. And I know Sophia has one more question that maybe we sure. can um, ask before we do this every week. Yes. <laughs> might, this might be, you know, surprising to you, but I think it may not be. I don't know. <laughs> one of our segments on the show is to ask who is chasing you, which saint is chasing you this week. And it's been really prevalent in your life. 
or lately. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, you know, because that, that's something, you know, being coming from kind of more of a, an uneducated Catholic or an uncatholic, whatever we call it, you know, just not, right. I didn't have a lot of knowledge about saints and things like that until I started doing this, you know, then I'd encounter. So, okay. So there's, there's a couple of saints actually. And it's funny. I, I consider it. They might not consider it. Funny. I think <laughs> So I, 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 I have, I, I, I don't know about you guys. If it's sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I, I'll, I'll ask, you know, like I'll pray the rosary. I try to pray the rosary every day. And when I pray the rosary at the end of it, I try to, in the morning, I, I try to thank various or ask certain saints to pray for me. You know, that list at first it was like four, then it was 400. And then it just became too unwieldy. And I was like, we're just going to go like all saints, please pray. And then of course it, it grew back up again, you know, it started then it was like 50 or whatever. But the thing is, then I started being more selective, just careful about, you know, like, anyway, this ridiculous logic. So there were two saints in particular, particular this year in particular, where that have had a profound um, impact on life that's going on. Blessed Carlo Acutis and Blessed mm -hmm. Michael McGivney. And Blessed Michael McGivney, the thing is, I, I've, you know, I, I, I don't this started, I guess, a year ago with Blessed Michael McGivney because I had heard that he was going to be beatified. And I was like, he's the founder of the Knights of Columbus. And I, when I heard about it, I was like, and then COVID was happening, everything's kind of locked down and stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, that, that's probably going to be an incredible event and all this other kind of stuff. But and it, I heard about it, but it was actually no event, you know, because they're it locked down. You know, nobody was congregating. So I, I'm sitting there, but at the same time, I kind of included him in my saints. And I was like, you know, I just was kind of like, you know, if you could, I forget what I was praying for, whatever intercession. And all of a sudden my phone rings. Well, yeah, I think it was my phone, literally. And it was the this, this Supreme Council of Knights of Columbus. And they're like, uh, Jeff, would you be interested in coming up to cover the beatification of Blessed Michael McGivney? I was like, would I? I was like, goodness gracious, yes. So, you know, and it was just like, it, it was so funny because it's like, he it came on my radar like a couple of weeks earlier you know, started, you know, just kind of like dialoguing a little bit. And then all of a sudden that blessed Carlo Acutis also, and this was, he, you know, basically I was, um, you know, I, 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 you know, computers and stuff and young guy and, you know, potentially a patron. I mean, I was having this debate with somebody about whether he would be the patron saint of the internet or if it's still going to be St. Isidore because right. St. Isidore was a, a, a bishop, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, from a long time ago, I think, you know, plus anyway, I agree with you. <laughs> but, so, so I, you know, but I, he's in my, my, because of, you know, how close he is just in, I don't know, familiarity with, you know, the, the, the things I do, you know, it's like computer stuff and web stuff and, you know, can't, you know, images. And then, you know, I kind of started, you know, asked, you know, just praying for his intercession on certain things. And then two days before his relic came to the United States, I got a call and this was from somebody who I never get a call from. Like it was like somebody way, way, way up the top. And they were like, Hey, would you be interested in coming up to cover this? And I was like, me, I was like, sure I would. Yeah. And so I went to see that and I got to be there for the blessed, you know, for the, the relic of him coming in. So I would say that it, it's like, it's really odd. Okay. It's like, there. it's like, There is a real relationship and there is a real communion of saints. And the thing is, is that I'm not saying you pray to a saint and ask him for, you know, like, it's not that it's about relationships. It's just like relationships with people. It's like, you know, you 
ask certain saints that you feel an affinity to or maybe a connection to or maybe you share something in common with them or or you know they you admire them for some reason ask for their intercession for you know for them to you know intercede on on your behalf or whatever to pray for you pray for certain intentions and it materially manifests in your life it's like it's not it's this is the beauty it's like you know it's when you go all in you know, in, in, in your faith, it's like, you know, the, the gifts and the wonders and, and the, the miracles that it's just like, it's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It, you know, it it's like, it's really so beautiful. beautiful. And I like you saying about it, a relationship, because that's really, they want to have that. I, someone along the way said, they're interested in connecting with you for whatever, whether it gets them closer to the seat or the, or the throne, whatever the case is. It just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was telling Sophia on our Tuesday, yesterday's podcast or two days ago, whatever, last week's podcast, whatever it is, that w- recent one that we just did, we talked about St. Faustina was just, what? She was all over. I'm like, why do I keep seeing all this St. Faustina stuff? And mm-hmm. I was doing this Divine Mercy Novena that started last week and Divine Mercy Sundays, you know, right around yeah. here. And, and oh, St. Faustina And ironically, there's a little more to the story that the last time my mom passed away last May and the last conversation I had with her was on April 24th. And that is Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday this year. And I know there's some part of, you know, going through this process with my husband and my mom and all the timing of him having a new tumor show up. And then my mom passing all in the same kind of few weeks. I really probably have not fully grieved all of the year of my mom, but it just and, but I know she's in a good place and it's, it just feels like, Hey, the last thing that I texted her were flowers. And that was last year, these yellow tulips when she always loved to garden with me. And she was in lockdown in a nursing home mm. and she's like, what are you doing today? And I sent her these pictures and it was April 24th. So wow. I know. So it's just, it's almost just a reminder to know, like, she's, I feel like it's St. Faustina going, your mom's okay. I got her. She's here, you know, and just. Maybe that's just what I'm making up in my head, but it's just how I feel. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. the saints bring us together with things like that when they're. Amen. Together. Wow. Yeah. And Sophia, yeah. what about you? So if St. Faustina is still in my, in my radar here, that's what I want to say. And how about Two you, weeks. Sophia? Do you have a saint that you're. Yeah, this every single week, I, I just, I struggle trying to figure <laughs> out who it is, but I think this week I'm going to go with our lady queen of peace every night in her dorm building at quiet hours, whether that's 11 or 12 o'clock on the weekends, um, our dorm will basically gather in the hallway and, uh, sing and pray before we go to bed and a resident assistants, you know, bless all of the doors with holy water. And we have a very big dorm, so that's very impressive, but every night they pray to our lady queen of peace and, this weekend, over Easter weekend, I had to make a big decision and I discerned the answer was no, which I kind of covered last week's podcast episode, but I felt so much peace and I was like, oh, okay, like our lady queen of peace sounds good to me. Um, so Beautiful. I, you know, sometimes she's chasing me, but then again, like I know that when they sometimes they'll chase me from, you know, weeks behind, but then going forward, I'll also be paying more attention to them as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with her as my saint this week. A great very one. nice very nice 
Well, Jeff, this was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have probably lots of things to do in your list of days here and um, jobs to get done and internet to work on. And <laughs> It's an honor to be with you guys. Seriously, I really appreciate the invitation. It's wonderful to meet you guys. And I hope to meet you guys in person at some point in time. Well, yeah. Next time you're at Malvern Retreat House, I tell you, or in Philadelphia, we're not you know too far from all the shrines that you probably get to down here. And there's so much beauty going on in this area for the Catholic Church. Malvern, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Best of luck to you down in Franciscan. Uh, that's wonderful that you're there. I mean, just to yeah. hear that about the blessing the doors, it's like, wow, what a college experience that is. It's that's so wonderful. So wonderful. And yeah, I'm, I'm really sad that I've only got a year left here after this year, but. Hey, but I'm, you've got a year left. That's right. I do. <laughs> that's also true. That's very true. Yes. But I was going to say, Jeff, where can people connect with you and find out about the work that you do? best place is instagram it's like jeffrey bruno and then yeah in, in the link thing it's like this links to most of the stuff that i'm involved with in the in the bio so and we'll connect so, that in the show notes here too as well so yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure thank you so much jeff thank you again guys god bless right. have Bye. a good one take care <laughs>